morning, everyone. About midweek, I got the mercy call, so <laughs> so I'm up this morning and I'm going to talk to you out of Matthew chapter number five, verses one to twelve, which is the Beatitudes, which you might be really familiar with. In the after the sort of first lockdown in 2020, there were a, a group of four young people who worked for a global global organisation. Worked, did some work for a global organisation. of three 15-year-olds and one 25-year-old. And they put an article together, they jointly wrote this article about what they had learnt about themselves or learnt about life uh, coming, you know, going through and then coming out of that first lockdown. And the first, the first person, young person said, you know, I, I realised just how fragile we are a, a, as people. But then what strength there is in community and coming together, families coming together, friends coming together, and they said, you know, we really don't exist without relationships. So that was their kind of contribution. Uh, the, 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 second, the second person, you know, sort of really profoundly just talked about, you know, uh, I feel like I can't do what I thought I could do, that a lot of things have been thwarted or interrupted. And I felt a bit helpless. And then I realised, actually, no, together, together we can make the world a better place. The third person said, I just, I realised how important it is to help people. You know, to, to have conversations, to teach people, to, to really, to make people smile. He said, you know, I just re- recognise how important it is to help people. And the, the last young person said, you know, life is just this, this learning process. We just learn every day. And life is one long, long exercise in learning. They said, you know, learning to overcome obstacles and to, to deal with challenges, but also learning how to set out, set out goals and, and reach our goals. And I thought for a group of young people, I mean, three 15-year-olds and one 25-year-old, that was a pretty... Uh, profound observations. And when you think about what they were saying, they were basically saying we, we were learning about purpose. You know, that it's so important in life to have a purpose. You know, to, to make the world a better place, to help people. They were expressing how critical it is to have people in our lives, to have community, to have connection. You know, the thing about, you know, we're just, we're so fragile, we, we, we don't exist without relationships. And they were talking about making progress. Uh, life is a, a learning process, learning how to overcome obstacles and, and how, to, how to work towards our goals. And while COVID, and if you've had COVID, and I had it about uh, a month or so ago, uh, and lockdowns and the things that have happened in the last couple of years or so have been really unpleasant, have brought some very bad things, I think, into the world and some very difficult things. But also, there's been some good things uh, that have occurred. And for a lot of people, it's, um, it's been the opportunity to actually stop. I mean, when you're locked down, <laughs> you know, you don't have a lot of um, options other than to really stop. And a lot of people have stopped, stopped a whole lot of activity in their lives. And they've just paused and they've reflected on their lives, you know, on their, on their purpose, on their goals, on their values, on their priorities, on kind of what's important. And it's been one of the, I think, the good things that have come out of, of the uh, lockdown and the COVID period. And in fact, 
there was a writer that wrote about this, and let me tell you what they said. They said, lockdown has given many people the mental and physical space to really get into every facet of life, from thinking about career and location to how you spend your time or your money, nothing has been overlooked. And to put it bluntly, the pandemic made it abundantly clear what so many of us had been ignoring. Life as it currently is, isn't making me happy or fulfilled. And the things that we've you know, universally thought would bring us happiness have been seriously re-examined. Is accumulating more money, more stuff, more wealth, uh, being better and better off really what delivers happiness into our lives? Is more fame, more celebrity, celebrity, being more and more of an influencer online, actually delivering a fulfilled and satisfied and meaningful life? Is packing my days full of activity so I can accomplish more and more, pop it up on Facebook or Instagram or wherever you stick your stuff, is that really leading to a meaningful life? Well, Jesus has an answer, and he'd say, no, no. And more than that, he would say, nor has it ever been. And Jesus directly, directly addressed this matter of our happiness, our well-being, fulfillment, you know, satisfaction, in probably what is one of the most famous uh, sayings or passages or paragraphs or speeches that Jesus ever made. One of the well, most well-known, almost the longest portion of Jesus speaking that we have in the Bible, and it's called the Sermon on the Mount or the Beatitudes, and it's found in Matthew chapter number 5 and verses 1 to 12. So it's going to come up on the screen, but let me read it to you. Let us read together if you've got a device. Matthew 5, 1 to 12. Jesus said this, when, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to a mountainside and sat down. And his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, verse number three, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse number four, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now it's universally agreed when we see Jesus use this phrase or this word blessed that he is speaking directly about happiness, well-being, fulfillment, uh, uh, satisfaction. But when we read the Sermon on the Mount and we read through that passage, you don't get the feeling that the things that Jesus was talking about could ever lead to happiness or well-being or fulfillment. And in fact, you get the kind of sense quite the opposite. I mean, let's look at the things that he said, poor in spirit, Mourning, meekness, righteousness, maybe, merciful, pure in heart, peacemakers, insulted, persecuted, falsely accused. I mean, you don't get the sense from that, that that is the recipe for well-being and for happiness. Rather, kind of feels a bit sad, a bit 
uh, sort of miser, mis miserly or misery, a bit hurtful. And yet, and it's taken us about 2,000 years to kind of figure this out, that Jesus was actually on to something when he delivered that sermon on that hill or that mountain that day. It's called the Beatitudes, um, and it was given by Jesus in Capernaum, and um, he was on to something, which isn't surprising because he is the Son of God after all. And the word Beatitudes comes from the Latin. I'm not going to pronounce the Latin because I, I didn't do any Latin ever. Uh, but it basically means supreme happiness. So when Jesus said that on that mount, he was saying, these are the things that are going to deliver supreme happiness into your, into your life, into our lives. And Jesus was on to something because those that work in the, in the, and research in the area of happiness and well-being and fulfillment are gradually finding that those words that Jesus spoke 2,000 years ago are spot on, are spot on. Listen to one researcher. They have concluded that happiness is more than simply feeling good, but is connected to the meaningful pursuits and the good relationships of our lives and whether people feel their life is worthwhile. What Jesus said to his disciples on the hill when he called them together, he said, listen, fellas, this is how you look after your well-being. This is how you stay well. This is how you achieve happiness and make your life worthwhile. One of the frameworks that's been increasingly adopted in New Zealand organisations like the Mental Health Foundation to promote well-being is called the Five Ways to Well-Being. And this is uh, evidence-based uh, practices which are promoted for improving our personal well-being. And the Five Ways to Well-Being are, first of all, connect meeting socially with friends, relatives, or work colleagues. Secondly, give. Provide help and support to people who you are close to when they need it. Thirdly, take notice. Take notice every day of what's around you and appreciate your surroundings. Fourthly, keep learning. Keep learning new things in your life. And fifthly, be active. Engage in exercise and organize sport. And the research overwhelmingly shows that individuals with high well-being, with good well-being, experience better levels of positive feelings. In other words, they're cheerful, they're calm, they're satisfied. They have positive functioning. That means you're kind of going well. They tend to have better health and longevity. They're better equipped to cope with adversity, more productive, and they have stronger social relationships. And really, the, the well-being research can be expressed as three main things. One, having a purpose in life, having meaning. Two, having people in our lives, having community. And uh, three, uh, being willing to learn and grow, even if it's painful, to make personal progress. Purpose, people, progress. And the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, is expressing to us Christ's view, God's view, the Holy Spirit's view of how we are, how we are to be blessed, be happy, have well-being, and expresses three core concepts of meaning and purpose, people and community, learning and development. And as I've said, really, we're just catching up with Jesus on this one because he was absolutely onto it when he delivered that sermon on the mount. Not convinced? Let me take you through it. First of all, purpose and direction, one of the three main things that bring well-being and happiness into our lives. Verses 8, 10, 11, and 12. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and uh, say all kinds of evil against you because of me, falsely say. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Verses 8, 10, 11, and 12 are all about having, you know, purpose in life, having a, a, a thing to do, a purpose to have, something to follow, and and it's to follow Christ for us Christians. When we have an intent to, to be Christ-like, to have Christ-like motives, to make Christ-like decisions, that's been pure in heart. To want to live right before God and make choices that, uh, that honor him, that's righteousness. Uh, to be associated, associated with Christ publicly, to call him out and say, he's my Lord, he's my Savior, he's my friend, he's the one I follow. Because of me, the text says. This provides our life with direction and meaning, and purpose, and it leads to well-being. I know where I'm going, I know who I'm going with, I know where I want to get to, purpose in our lives. And inside of that, for each one of us, uh, it's about figuring out, mm, what do, what's my role in the kingdom of God? What, what do I do? What's my individual purpose? What has God put me on the earth to do, and what has he called me to do? Now, we, whenever you stride out with strong purpose and strong direction and you talk to anyone that has a really clear vision of where they want to go, what they want to do, what they want to achieve, anyone will say to you, man, it's hard. It's hard work. There's lots of opposition, uh, there's barriers, there's challenges to overcome. It's much harder than I thought it would be. And for Christians in particular, because it's such a spiritual battle, when we stride out with following Jesus Christ and fulfilling our role in his kingdom's work as our really strong purpose, there will be opposition. Absolutely. Jesus promised it, and if you've been doing that, you'll experience it. And because it's spiritual and because it's a spiritual battle, the opposition is particularly strong. Not so much in the West, although it's interesting to see where that will go. But certainly in the majority world, as you've heard, very, very difficult for people that stand up and say, I want to follow Christ. And in some cases, it costs them their lives to say that. But purpose, purpose is so important. Jesus said the outcome from having direction and purpose in our lives to follow him is that we will see God be part of the kingdom of heaven. And he said, great is the reward in heaven for those that stand up and say, my purpose is to follow Christ. So purpose and direction. Doesn't sound like it, but it's uh, one of the core elements of having well-being and being happy. Now, at the start of the year, uh, the elders laid out their vision for us as a community, uh, as a church for this year, and they asked three questions of us as a community. And one of the questions they asked is, how am I serving? How am I serving? And so this is the question that's connected to direction and purpose. What is Christ calling me to do in the Crossroads community? How am I serving? And we answer that question and embark on that mission. It's one of the keys to being blessed, happy, having well-being. Direction and purpose. Secondly, uh, this morning, people and community. Verse number four. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Verse number seven, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And verse number nine, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. 
So these verses 4, 5, 7, and 9 are all about our relationships and being in community, feeling deeply and having empathy, that's mourning, being strong, but having that strength under, under control and being well managed, that's meekness, having compassion towards others and acting with kindness, Ruby, uh, that's merciful, uh, reconciling relationships by addressing the genuine underlying issues in those relationships, that's been a peacemaker. Um, and having strong relationships and being part of genuine community, that's so strongly related to our well-being. Think about the Dunedin study, if you've heard of it. It's a study of over, just over 1,000 people over 40 years. And that study discovered that our social relationships in childhood and adolescence are the key to adult well-being. Scientists at Harvard University did an 80-year study, and they discovered in that study that our relationships and how happy we are in our relationships has a powerful impact on our health. They say close relationships, family, friends, and community, more than money or fame, are what keep people happy throughout their lives. Uh, those ties protect people from life's discontents, help delay mental and, and physical decline, are better indicators of long and happy lives than even social class, IQ, or even our genes. And Jesus was absolutely onto it when he pointed out how important community and relationships is in our lives. Several studies have found that people's level of satisfaction with their, with their relationships at age 50 were a better predictor of their physical health than their cholesterol levels were. The people who are most satisfied in their relationships at age 50 were the healthiest at age 80. Community and people. Jesus said the outcome of strong relationships with people is comfort, inheriting the earth, mercy, and being called the children of God. And again, in terms of the elders' vision for us as a church that they laid out at the beginning of the year, they asked us a question, a second question. They said, who am I personally sharing God's love with? And God's love goes beyond, you know, the, the gospel message. It's, who am I being loving towards and expressing God's love towards across all of my relationships? And people and community. And Jesus says, this is what creates well-being. Then thirdly this morning, personal progress. Verses 3 and 6. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Verses 3 and 6 are all about our personal progress. You know, recognizing that even at my very best, I've still got so much to learn. I'm still a flawed individual, a broken vessel. I'm poor in spirit. You know, having that humility to know that even at my best, I'm still uh, not great. And so continually wanting to learn and to grow and to, and to follow Christ, to have that hunger and that thirst for righteousness, to want to uh, see God continually change me, develop me, grow me, turn me into more like he is. That's personal progress. There was a, a teacher, an English teacher at Wellesley High School, not in Auckland, but in, in Massachusetts, and he said this to a senior student at a graduation speech. He said, Climb the mountain, not to plant your flag, but to embrace the challenge, to enjoy the air, and to behold the view. Climb it so you can see the world, not so that the world 
can see you. Progress. Jesus said the outcome of making personal progress is being part of the kingdom of heaven and being filled. The third question that the, that the elders asked us as a church at the beginning of the year was, who am I receiving meaningful spiritual input from and who am I giving this to? The question that relates to making personal progress, well-being, happiness, to be blessed. Dr. Ramses Ghali is a highly regarded Christian neurosurgeon. He's from Cairo in Egypt, and he practices in Illinois in the U.S. His career is filled with stories of last-minute saves and strokes and aneurysms and tumors and other sort of assaults on the brain. He went to medical school, and he saw how easy it was for people to die or be misdiagnosed, and he wanted to do something about that. So he had uh, that drive with him since he was a very young person to want to do something about that. At the peak of his career, you'd expect him, expect him as a physician with his credentials to be in an exclusive private practice where the waiting list is six months long and people can't get in. And yet, he's practicing in a small county hospital in the US. He said he had to accept a lot of financial compromise to practice there, but he decided that's where his heart was and that where he was sent by God on a mission. One of his colleagues in the hospital said, he could go the way of the rest and become this big downtown personality, but he believes that these are beautiful people in this county, and in this kind of sleepy community, they deserve the very best. Garley stays with his patients through their recovery, and even beyond that, he calls on them at home, he wants to see how they're doing, he gets to know the family, he gives free lectures on public health, and, um, and lectures on issues so that people can be their own health advocates. He's a deeply spiritual person, and his personal role model is the Good Samaritan. And he said, like the Good Samaritan, he's a foreigner. Uh, and his philosophy is, do your best, learn in depth, care from your heart, and let God do the rest. Purpose, people, project, progress. The Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, is really a good reminder that our well-being, our happiness our deep lasting fulfillment and satisfaction do not come from rich, famous, and amazing, but from people, purpose, and personal progress. Now, I appreciate that, you know, we all want to make progress with our incomes, and we all want to, you know, do well, and we all want to achieve stuff, and we all want to, to do stuff, and I, and I understand that. But the thing is that Jesus said that this is not how we get fulfillment, satisfaction, well-being, happiness, meaning in our lives. I have to tell you that whenever I'm feeling a bit grisly or I think, no, oh, I just don't feel like my life is heading in the direction that I think it should head, I come back to this passage and actually come back and I pull out the message transcript um, this message transcript, and I just check in, how's my purpose? How's my purpose? Am I doing what I think God has called me to do on the earth? Check in on that. Do I need to make some corrections for that? I ask myself the question, what's my community like? Have I got people in my life? You know, what's happening there? Am I seeing the people in my life? Am I focusing in on them? 
And then the last question I ask myself is, am I learning? Am I growing? Are there situations where I'm grisly and grumpy and resentful about it, but actually if I step back, could I ask myself the question, what could I learn uh, about this situation? How can it teach me? People purpose progress. Christ said through the Beatitudes, this is how we achieve well-being. Just to kind of finish this out, there's a professor of philosophy, sorry, of psychology at the University of Rochester, Edward D.C., and he researches in the area of wealth and beauty. This is what he says. The studies show that reaching materialistic and image-related milestones actually contribute to ill-being. Despite their accomplishments, individuals experience more negative emotions like shame and anger and more physical symptoms of anxiety such as headaches, stomach aches, and loss of energy. By contrast, individuals who value personal growth, close relationships, community involvement, and physical health are more satisfied as they meet success in those areas. They experience a deeper sense of well-being more positive feelings towards themselves, richer connections with others, and fewer physical signs of stress. He goes on to say that even though our culture puts a strong emphasis on attaining wealth and fame, pursuing these goals does not contribute to having a satisfying life. The things that make your life happy are growing as an individual, having loving relationships and contributing to your community. 2,000 years ago, Jesus was on to it when he wrote or spoke the Beatitudes from that mount, that hill in Capernaum. My question for you this morning, my invitation to you is to step back, if you haven't already, already done so in the lockdown, and say, how am I on purpose? Do I know what, am I clear what God has called me to do, to be, to pursue in his kingdom's work? And how am I going? The elders ask the question, you know, where will I serve, where will you serve? How am I going? Reorientate around that, be clear about your purpose. If you're unclear, grab somebody and say, help me work out what God has asked me to do in his kingdom. Secondly, What's your relationships like? What's your community like? How's that connection going? As the elders have asked, who am I showing God's love to? You know, who am I reaching out and gathering around me? Because community creates well-being, happiness, fulfillment, satisfaction. It's people in relationships. And thirdly, what am I learning? Am I learning or am I just stuck? Have I just stopped? (laughs) And I'm not seeing myself being, becoming more and more like Christ, which is what he's calling us to do. How's that progress going? And I invite you to reorientate around that. Pray to the Father, to the Son, to the Spirit. Help me, God, find my purpose. Bring people around me so I can have that community. Help me learn and make personal progress. Those are the things that genuinely create well-being and happiness. Jesus said it. All the research that's happening confirms it. Not money, 
not fame, not doing more and more stuff to put up on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, whatever it is. He's a cool son of God, right? Cool son of God. I, um, when we were singing that third song this morning, we've been working through Revelation as a, as a, um, as a small group. Just as we were singing that, in chapter number five, basically, uh, there's four living beings, 24 elders, and then it says thousands of millions of angels. And they start singing this song um, of glorification to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And that's imagine what that would sound like, thousands of millions of angels singing this song. And then it goes on and says, actually, everything in the universe, everything, every living being on the earth, every living being in the water and the sea, and every living being under the earth began singing along, and they were singing glory to the one who sits on the throne, God the Father, and glory to the Lamb who took the scroll from the hand of God the Father, um, and the, the lamb had seven eyes, which was a sort of connection with the Holy Spirit. So uh, the, everything um, in the universe, on the earth, in the sea, and under the earth, and commentators generally agree, that included the demons reluctantly, and they all began to sing this song. Holy, 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 and glory to the one who sits on the throne and to the lamb who was slaughtered. Imagine what that would sound like. Whoa. <laughs> Imagine hearing that. Every living being, demons included, are glorifying God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So as we close down this part and as the team come back, and I'll pray in a minute, we're going to sing and give glory to the one who described what well-being looks like 2,000 years ago before we were anywhere near that as a race. And I, and I invite you, as we shout it out across the sky, as we shout it out across the land, as we, as we announce it to all people, there is one love, and it is his love. Koto mianui, koto araha, aki, 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 forever and ever. Amen. As the team come up and we, and we pray. Heavenly Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, thank you so much for this rich passage and Jesus spoke from that mount, that hill, that so long ago he wrapped up and explained to us what well-being looks like. And it is to have the, a purpose in our life to follow you, whatever that looks like for us. To have community, to have people, to be part of community, to have relationships. To be making progress. He's call, you've called us to look more and more like your son every day. Scripture declares what he was like, what he did, what he said, his heart, and you call us to follow that. Lord, help us be a people that reach out for well-being, for happiness, for fulfillment, for satisfaction. We do that through your son, through your scripture, for your guidance and your instruction. Lord, as we sing this morning, as we announce it across the skies, as we announce it across the land to everybody, that your love is one love. Let, it do it. Let us do it with passion and purpose, intent and clarity. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his amazing words and his incredible life and that he loves us and sacrificed for us. We pray all these things in his almighty name. Amen.